This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 43, The Honeymooners. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, yeah. The, count, the countdown begins. The Honeymooners. You see in the preview at the end, they're like, the countdown begins. Three more episodes. I was psyched because I thought there were only two more. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was all like in outer space. You know, I got to say, at first, I thought, oh, crap. Allison is not going to take this well, and she's going to be kind of, she's going to hurt Jack's feelings with her reaction. I think she took it pretty well, <laughs> consider, uh, you know, considering everything. Well, I love the mud she shower. didn't have time to brace for it, and it was just thrown yeah. into the situation. I was like, Oh, really? by the way, let's go live in a crap hole for the weekend. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal, though, to say, you know, to the other person, yeah, for the, no, a week. Not the oh, weekend. Right, yeah. yeah, it was a week. Um, that's way worse. <laughs> well, it's a pretty big deal to say, I think to your, you know, your new spouse, you go ahead and plan the honeymoon, all of the details from A to Z, and then I will get in the car. How does she know what to pack? <laughs> you know, huh. she's like, uh, you know, just you take care of it and I'm fine you with know, that. You and, think when she, wow. when he said, be sure to pack your crappy clothes and shoes, you won't <laughs> mind throwing away yeah. that she probably thought, huh? Yeah. Yeah, which coveralls are you bringing, honey? Yeah. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Don't forget your dungarees. <laughs> yeah, and you might I, want to I, bring a hard hat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like it. It's like, okay, part of the roof caves in. But no, let's just sleep under a tent under that same roof because I'm sure it'll be fine after that. <laughs> oh, my God. And when the like half the roof fell in onto the bed, I'm like, it's lucky it wasn't 10 minutes later. You know, but you know they that probably... tent will protect you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, Jack's like, I can pitch a tent that will protect us. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's funny, though, you know, because I, I like you guys, it sounds like I, I kind of was torn because on one hand, I see where Carter's coming from. I mean, Eureka it was really sweet. And Eureka is very much this like push the button place. Yeah. And, and that's all they do. Like you can you can tell she could not conceive of not just pushing the button and having somebody fix it for her. And and he's like, you know, there's something special about it being us. And you could tell, too, that it really did tie to like a special place in his heart that he felt like in his like he said, you know, I didn't put down roots before. I thought that was really cool and really romantic. And I think that's what sold her was that she realized how much it meant to him. And, And yeah, the other side, which is. It was a crap hole. And, and if, yes, the idea of fixing it up is a cool one, but on the honeymoon is a dumb idea. Yeah. On top of, <laughs> yeah, on top of let's live in it while we do it, also a bad idea. Yeah. A bad idea for any renovation. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's tough <laughs> renovating. It doesn't a- have to be a crap hole. I mean, it could be a modern house that if you're renovating it, I mean, you're not going to want to live in it. Now, didn't unless you? you're doing it in stages or something i mean come on i was gonna say it's it's hard to even like refurbish a bathroom in a house when you have another bathroom and speaking of bathroom i just i have to say this because this is like the funniest thing ever they get there you know during the day at some point right 
And then all of this stuff happens, you know, and then they wake up the next morning and it's when they go, when she goes to make coffee the next morning that she realizes there's no water. And I'm like, no, that's because the, I thought about that. It's because the rain caused, he says it, it, the the rain caused oh, for the plug up there. Of course, okay. Yeah. I was like, what? Well, she didn't use the bathroom from like you know the last sixteen hours. She's been holding <laughs> it. No, that's that's <laughs> the part they cut out where she's like, okay, where's the bathroom? And he's like, honey, it's an outhouse. <laughs> yeah. No, you crap out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I hate those dirty and dough things. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I I guess. Well, I think this I, is a talking about example poo. of Allison not communicating things blowing up in her face. Again. Again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she might have said, hey, you know, when you're planning the honeymoon, keep in mind that I'm really hoping for some place that we can just relax together. Well, you know what? If he had taken her to, if he had pulled off this incredible, really thoughtful thing that was still nice and clean and fun and safe. She probably would have been And down. she reacted, well, I wanted to go to Fiji then she would be an annoying jerk, you know? If, yeah. if on the other hand, you know, he, he's, this isn't that. He took her to a, a, an unsafe, unclean dive. <laughs> Cabin in the woods. And asked her to fix it up, you know? <laughs> this is just a bad idea, you know? <laughs> You're just like, does anybody else wonder if maybe this was inspired by... Uh, by uh, Colin Ferguson's actual water heater problems? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy who, no matter how long he was in you know television and all that stuff he seems like the kind of guy that would always be you know like want to fix his own water heater yeah for those who who don't (laughs) the rugged every 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 man man. (laughs) for those who don't remember in between seasons uh, anybody who follows com ferguson on twitter will see kind of some sort of every manish tweets including uh i guess well, a couple of seasons issues, back yeah he had an issue with a hot water heater he'd installed and he needed parts for it and there was this ongoing saga for some time of him installing it or breaking apart or having some issue and calling and getting support and it was it was funny and i i, I wonder if it inspired this yeah well i mean even the character itself inspires it because yeah. uh there were episodes uh when he had first moved into the smart house where he's like well, you know, you know, I can I can go fix that water heater, and they're yeah. like, you know, it's a nuclear powered water heater, right? Crap! <laughs> like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, so he's been without his handyman side for a while, and I think that maybe that was some of the appeal of it is that I know this stuff. You know, everything in my house is nuclear powered and has a personality and is sleeping with my deputy. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you know what else is cool though in terms awesome. of the character development is that he's been so well. He's been kind of insecure up until recently about not being super genius, you know, and we've seen that play out in different ways in different episodes, especially meeting Allison's brother and all that stuff. And he was worried that, you know, he would never be quote unquote on her level. And when she's like, look, you know, we've always been, you've always been at my level. Um, And now he's starting to feel like it's okay, you know, to be him. And I think now it's kind of cool because he's taking that step of saying, what's cool about me? I want to show her and, and kind of like exaggerate those things because I'm proud of them and I want to or emphasize those things, you know? So he's like, yeah, fix this water pump and I'll fix this roof. And well, that didn't work out, but it's <laughs> cool. It's cool. Though, you know, I like, I like to see as, him as feeling more said, secure. I'll, I'll go get the hammer to tack up that tarp. I'm like, you know, I hope the uh, I hope the roof supports the extra weight of retaining all that water because that's. 
Oh, and there goes the roof. All right. <laughs> At the end, when they were both sitting on that little eave that comes down over the porch, I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'd sit on that. Yeah, well, I was like, wait a minute. Either that's the most stable structure in the entire cabin, or, I mean, you guys are going to go right through that thing. Now, the other thing that I have to admit popped in my mind, just because I've had personal experience with this, when she's like, no, we'll just call the engineers from GD, I'm like, you know, you know, they don't work for you personally, right? You, you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, technically, I guess technically they, no, but maybe GD owns the building, you know, since it did belong to the guy. So I could see where it's coming from. I'm not really laying this on, uh, you know, the character Allison's feet entirely. But, I, I think GD has like eminent domain over everything in that valley. Yeah. But still, a, you know, I mean, look. You, I get too that she might be friends with them or she might understand. be like, I know a guy who come out and, you know, we'll, we'll pay him sure, contractor rate. But I couldn't help but get a little twinge of moving the boss's bathtubs. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I had, and I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you laugh, you got to understand. But one time, uh, when I worked in an office, I was an IT guy, right? Like literally I fixed computers and so on. Right. And uh, the boss comes in and is like, oh, I need you to go with my wife, who also worked at the place, uh, down to this place to pick up some stuff, blah, 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 right? So we hop in the car, and we we ride down to this this warehouse, and we get out and walk in, and it becomes painfully clear that uh, she is buying, like, 14 bathtubs, which they are going to put in their- Wow, big house. Uh, well, no, it's like a- it's like a, they, it was, a going out of business kind of thing where they were dumping all these whirlpool bathtubs and and she's she, building like a roman bathhouse in her backyard <laughs> she has a big family and a bunch of them who are somewhat loaded were building this big house in uh in it's like in caddyshack in the, in the beginning <laughs> danny's family yeah <laughs> except, except okay <laughs> so, saw me naked. <laughs> so the bottom line is it's like uh, they're all like side by side all the bathtubs are like next to each other like touching actually and all in the a, bath at the same it time. was a warehouse like chock full of them and and she's like okay well i want this one this one this one this one and okay what am i buy and left and left me there and it became clear very quickly when the guy showed up and was like okay so we're loading these i'm like that they had said you need to send someone with you to be able to you know to help load these so they just she didn't tell me he didn't tell me they just you should have said that you had like a back condition or something you know yes but i'm just Jeez. i'm just not know, that big I a know. dick you know i mean <laughs> The guy, I looked at the guy and I'm like, really? And, and, and he realized, thankfully, that I wasn't like, screw you. I was like, they didn't tell me. And I'm like, damn it. So I go over and I start to get ready to move the first one with him. And he's like, hang on. And he came back and he brought me some gloves and, you know, and, and, and some gear. And anyway, I'm just saying, I've always been sensitive to moving the boss's bathtub after that. You don't do that. You know, you never, ever, ever assume that somebody working for you is willing to just, you know, do it for you personally because they're your employee during and the day as too, well. We don't know that those people are even working for her officially. I think yeah, she's not even the boss. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're right. I get the sense that it's like, you know, I've been a GD for a really long time. I know the guys who would do this. And if I call them, they probably, you know, Steve would probably come You're out. Right. And You're right. It's just my dumb sensitivity. <laughs> It's a good point, though. You're absolutely I mean, if, right. It is. It is a good point. The other thing is, like, why would you want to have other people come on your honeymoon? You know, I guess if it meant a hot shower, you could, you could. See I it. gotta admit, I'm, I am, I, I'm pretty anti-camping. 
I, I, I'm not a fan yeah, of yeah, yeah, I know. the idea of, of <laughs> everyone's <laughs> like, oh, it's so awesome, blah, blah, blah. It's and you're like, great, you I'm going to sleep in a dirty camp where the- camping always sucks. I mean, it's, it's always true. too hot. It's and and just the geography, everything is wrong here for camping. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. It's a little bit different up here in BC. Yes. And where I grew up, you know, camping could actually be fun because. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, cool at night. You know, warm during the day. Yeah. You know, you're you're on the edge of a lake that you can go swimming in. Imagine and, like 80 degrees tops during the day and sunny, and at night like 60 degrees. Huh. You know, rent some bikes and just uh, kind of very few tool around the countryside. Exactly. Very few bugs, right? Yeah, yeah, that might not well, be bad. Depending I guess. on where you are. Depending, yeah. Depending on the lake. Not compared to here, though. Very few. Well, bugs. okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess you're not swimming in chiggers up here, but <laughs> oh god, yeah. So I, I could see where she was coming from to some extent. Like if somebody was like, "Hey, your vacation is going to be spent camping," I would be like, "Piss off." When he got out the tool belt, I was like, "Oh no, a tool belt!" Oh, he had it monogrammed. Oh no, a tool belt! <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, you didn't. It's like, honey, I got you a vacuum cleaner for your for our anniversary. Oh, you know? damn. A totally sweet and inappropriate thing to give to someone. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of like what Fry would do if Fry and Leela ever got married in Futurama. <laughs> I got you an apron. It's mon- monogram. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. So, yeah, and then, of course, you know, this isn't even the big story or one of the big stories in this. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, which one do we want to go through first? I mean, let's start with uh, Holly. So we've got we've got Zane in the like the Gene Wilder role of throw the third switch. (laughs) I thought he, he almost was like a new Nathan Stark in some ways. Yeah, he is the sort of Swiss Army knife fix it guy now. Everything's really bad tech-wise. We need Stark. Yeah. Now it's like we need Zane. Yeah. Yep. Zane. The placement mad scientist. Yeah. It's true. You're so right. We need like a really super like absurdly intelligent guy who's buff and has, you know, some form of a beard to wear a suit and be, <laughs> <laughs> you know, reliable and in charge. And Nathan Stark's not around. You. Oh, Zane. <laughs> you, Donovan. <laughs> Step up. Yeah, uh, I, I loved the uh, Holly and, and Fargo kind of crouching over the uh, the equipment, you know, the computer and stuff. And he's like, any last minute changes, you know, and I was just <laughs> waiting for her to be like, you know, make some cosmetic change or, you know, I want bigger boobs or or something, you know, well, my feet are too big. <laughs> right, right, right. My feet are too big or, or something, you know, remove all the hair from my body permanently or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. That's one just, of those instructions you know would just get misinterpreted. You just yeah. wanna... <laughs> a little off the top. Yeah, yeah and I, it was uh, it was funny how like the naked Felicia Day was so pale and luminous gonna... that you couldn't even make out any of her features. That's, she's that pale. She was glowing. <laughs> she's like, I'm going naked. Yeah. You won't see it on camera. <laughs> that was awesome. She glows. Like, all right, lights up, and it's just like ah. <laughs> Everybody put your sunglasses on. And I can say that because I am the same way. It wasn't the effect that required that they put their mad scientist goggles on. It's just Felicia. She just looks that way on camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think I've said this before on the cast. So in case anyone is wondering, I love the pale. Felicia Day is the one person who has 
made me feel like it's okay to, you know, to be pasty. Being a fair skin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she made pasty okay, you know, cool even. Sort yeah. of. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool on her. But I, yeah, I have plus, plus plus this body's all super bendy. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's funny that they keep alternating between you know her saying things that are are accidental you know are uh, can be mis- reinterpreted and her just dropping straightforward innuendo like they just yeah. keep going back oh and forth oh my god you know? that was so funny she's like i'm thinking of calling it the uh the second coming of holly martin she's like or is it the third and she's like but then i realized that that sounds pretentious and borderline offensive yeah. so <laughs> i was like oh my god that's awesome my first thought, too, was, wow, that sounds pretentious. And then I was like, and offensive <laughs> that she said it in that order. Uh, That's like, a, you know, that was somebody's reaction in the writer's room. Yeah, like, yeah. You know. <laughs> I bet it was Amy Berg or someone. Uh, like. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I, I thought it was kind of, uh, I didn't see this coming. I thought it was kind of uh, interesting the way that they did the, um, like, fairy tale kind of thing where you know it looks like we may not get her back and then fargo kisses her like the prince you know like the knight in shining armor or the prince or whatever and then she wakes up and then she kind of puts her arms around his neck and he he takes care of her i thought you know this isn't bothering me and it's kind of a very old-fashioned trope you know with like the guy saving the girl with the kiss and then taking care of her and all this stuff and i think the reason it wasn't bothering me was that we see their relationship in context and we see how much he's willing to do for her and, and lots of stuff. You know, I totally agree. I think that maybe the reason just to extend that a little, maybe the reason it feels better in that instance is than, than it normally would is because, because we know so much of that, because everything else is set so firmly in a different direction that it almost, it's like they're using it not to suggest that she needs saving as much as they are to show us how much he needs to save her. Well, and and you also ha- have to think that, you know, if, if her, her mind was obviously there, uh, although her body wasn't quite kickstarting itself. And the one thing she was complaining about, she is, needs a kickstarter you know, campaign, <laughs> but, <I'm>, <laughs> but she, uh, she, that was the, that was her primary issue with being an, of, of, uh, virtual intelligence is that she, she was, um, she had a problem with not having physical contact and Fargo kickstarts her by giving her that physical contact that she was talking about. And independence, and, the independence of having movement. Right. And, right. Exactly. Well, uh, yeah, I mean that those are the two points she brings up and he, he was able to provide one of them there and maybe that's enough to, to bring her out of whatever she was going through there. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was really cool the way they took something that, was so like traditional and and played it in a different way where it just, you know, it came across as fresh. You know, the other thing that is kind of interesting to me is that whenever you have a a cyborg of any kind, right, or you have a combination of man and machine, you know, uh, human and machine, that's a gynoid. Yeah. (laughs) That you can't quite, you know, uh, separate the two. It, it it seems to be kind of a very it offers a very specific kind of set of of story affordances, right? I mean, there are things you can do with that. It's almost like whenever you see an and whenever you see 
a cyborg of any kind, you know that the writers are automatically asking you to look at yourself in a certain way. They want you to think about part of you as separate, right? You know, like, and, and so I always yeah, find, yeah, I, sure. I find myself whenever I see a cyborg in a, in a story, I start thinking, I wonder what it is that, that we're looking at. You know, what is it that is important to these, these writers or these people who created this? And, and with her, you know, we have the, we have, again, the classic case of her losing her mind as well. Like, like the cybernetic part proving to not be reliable at first and making her into someone she's not. And we say she's all there. In fact, they kind of like set up that tension saying that she's all there, but it's degrading, you know, which almost doesn't make sense, but yet it does. It's so common. It does, you know, I think it's also an interesting reversal of, of that typical story of like, you know, like the, the, uh, the AI that tries to figure out if it's real, you've got this real mind, that's starting to believe it's not right. It's like, it's a, it's a weird reversal of that, that kind of typical story of like, you know, she starts falling backwards into the, no, this is all fake. This is all, Oh, and what a powerful uh, scene where Holly uh, is just so frightened of Carter. Yeah. yeah, where, where yeah she, that was freaky. She almost looked like an abused person. You know, she was, she was really. Yeah. And, and then, and then, Fargo proving how much he's grown over this series steps in front of a loaded gun. Yeah. Wow. Oh hell yeah. It's like Fargo is is the hero of that story there. Agreed. I mean, yeah. In a lot of ways he's maybe not the only hero, but he's definitely a hero in the whole Eureka narrative, I think. I mean, you could you could tell the story of Eureka I think with him as the main character and, and still have a large piece of what we've got here. I mean, even though, even though Carter is our, our focus, Fargo is really important to this story. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good point. You know, if you look at it, I mean, clearly he's the center character. It's why you see him standing in the intro, you know, yeah. but, but, but actually, you know, especially in the last couple of seasons, you really, you're right. If you substituted Fargo in there, you would actually get a significant chunk of everything. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, you, you watch that arc. I mean, it's the start of the series is Fargo, you know, as part of GD, just kind of one of the, the underlings that keeps the machinery going. And, right. and you know, he's, he's, the, he's, you know, one of these people that's there and willing to take risks and willing to jeopardize things, but not really, but he's still very much part of that system. And then throughout the series, he does kind of grow and, and kind of come into his own. And yeah, I, except for the first season where he was kind of more of a recurring character, I think you could really retell this based on him. And yeah, you're right. Not lose much. It seems like around the time they went back in time was when he really became super central to the story. You know, like well, basically when they when they get back from the 40s and he's head of GD and he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then he right. has to essentially become yeah. the head of GD yeah. while being the head of GD. Talk about right. Kickstarter. And, and, yeah, he's, he's got he's to gotta learn that people rely on him for things now. And he also has to learn to to very intimately trust certain people because you know they're the ones that are keeping the secret with him so he he does quite a bit of growth after that uh, after that incident which is funny cuz that's actually 
they actually directly reference it for the, one of the first times in a long time. Oh, yeah. Really? The, this Did whole I- time shift thing. And actually, a lot of back references. You got Sheriff Cobb, you know, this, this whole story that's going yeah. on. You know, the, the safe in, in the cabin has the pilot GD logo on it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Which actually canonizes that because that's like the first time since the pilot we've seen that logo, I think. Wow. It's, it's, it's a lot of callbacks there. It is, and I, I couldn't It feels help. very deliberate and it satisfying. Is, I'm like, sure. I couldn't help but think, man, you know. It gives you a sense, though, that the, the writers really have a plan for the future when you see callbacks like that. Oh, yeah. It gives you, like, a confidence, like, ooh, sweet. Even if they didn't, well, stuff just coming. the fact that their writing is so consistent that it plugs together that way yeah. when you decide to do it later is still awesome. Right. Definitely. And it's, it's not just the writers. It's, it's somebody had to go make that prop. And it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, whoever's in, in charge of that is going, okay, well, this is before the series started and we had an old logo, so let's use that. I do like the... Um, I mean, do we want to jump over to that other story sure. here? Where we've got this. Actually, actually uh, real quick, what I was going to say before we jump away from the story, well, I just no w- rush. We got lots of time. <laughs> I know, I know. I just wanted to point out while we're talking about Holly and the the cyborg and all this stuff, it makes you think about. I think it's cool that Chuck, you were saying it's like a representative of humanity, and and if you can split out those parts, you know which parts are important, and it makes me wonder if the the cybernetic part of her was shown to be kind of unreliable. Does that mean? It it almost seems like maybe they're making the argument that she's not really a whole person mentally and spiritually unless she's in a physical body. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one one possibility or and I think it might be more than one of these, you know, another. That's not an argument that's made very often in sci fi. No, it's not because because they I mean, I think the fact that they choose that direction over the more obvious, hey, we can transfer people's, you know, consciousness. Right, back like and she's forth. Holly no matter what form she right. takes. And here it's like, no, her physical presence actually is an important part of her being an integrated whole person. You know, and actually it's it reminds me of uh, Tony's book. Um, oh, uh, Metaplanetary? Metaplanetary, yeah. Tony Daniel was a guest, I don't know, probably like many, many years ago oh, yeah, on the GWC like podcast. And uh, used to live nearby and was, was uh, is a friend. He wrote a, a pretty cool science fiction novel uh, called Metaplanetary, in which one of the main concepts of it is that uh, they've essentially crossed this border that they have with Holly, whereas they're using the Z-Wave thing from the... Uh, uh, from the, the, the matrix to try to like limit it so that they can't just do anybody. Theoretically, they could only do those people and maybe only her. Um, in, in Tony's world, in the novel, they had uh, the ability to transfer people to, uh, to machines and, and from machines to people as well. And so biological and technological were pretty much interchangeable. And it made for some really screwed up thoughts like, how do you vote, for example, if you can, you know, copy yourself? Now, obviously, when you copy yourself, the copy is no longer the same. You know, the minute they're both functional and both have agency, they're not the same anymore. So what does that mean in terms of if you make 10 copies of yourself? Right. Technically, they could all vote differently. So maybe that is okay. And it's a real, instead of addressing that kind of stuff, though, they, cho- they chose to focus on her which means to me that I think they want us to look inward and they want us to look at like uh, um, relationships and self-identity. And, exactly. Yeah, well, you exactly. know what I, what I was thinking is it, in science fiction, 
the argument has been made a number of times uh, or, or, you know, the possibility has been raised a number, a number of times that you can extract somebody's essence out right. of the physical and then move it into different forms. And we've seen that. And it's a really cool concept. And it always goes back to those big questions that, you know, that religions also address and a lot of world religions and, and even different interpretations of, say, like Christianity have different kind of focus on that stuff. And one thing that's interesting, first of all, is that I don't think they're necessarily saying that she has to be in her own body to be a whole person, but she has to be in a body. Right. And I think what's cool here is that there's a really earthly, really humanist element here. Like, and maybe you could call it secular humanism, which is kind of like a, a belief system that, you know, I would say guys like Carl Sagan and, you know, guys like the, uh, E.O. Wilson, the biologist. Right. These guys are secular humanists where they're focused on the human experience. That's what matters, you know, is the human experience most of all here on Earth. And I think it's really interesting that that Eureka is exploring this idea that you really do need to be physically present and you need to be able to kiss the person you love and you need to be able to hold somebody and you need to be able to move around and, and, and have some control over where you go and and stuff like that, you know, control your environment a little bit, um, that you need to have those things to be whole. And I just think that's awesome. I mean, it's so interesting and so human focused where, whereas I, it doesn't seem like that's the traditional kind of way that people look at it in 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 sci-fi. Yeah. You not know, not it, like that it's good or bad or anything, just kind of... And just to just to wrap up the Holly arc a little bit here, the, this piece of it anyway, It so in the end, she ends up uh, in what we are told is a stable body, and I guess the only thing left, and correct me if you guys uh, think otherwise, but it seems like they're kind of indicating that uh, the only problem going forward here is going to be acceptance of her. In other words, other people may not buy it. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much they play that up, if it's going to be uh, a problem or if, you know, I mean, it. that's the problem that you have with this is that, you know, it's it's, it's Eureka and yeah. it's... Who knows? It, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had... Anything uh, could happen. We had, what's her name, Peterson, you know, in the first, the very first arc the in clone. season one. Yeah, Walter Peterson's wife was Susan Peterson and the clone. Yeah, and, and people kind of got over that and then you had that guy um that blonde guy that was the android that stark kind of cared for right kid and then you Mm -hmm. have uh you're right and then you have uh that's probably the closest yeah but this is something that i don't think people have seen i mean by their own kind of discussion they have never done this before right and that's one of the reasons they pull grace in because she's like one of the only people who can oversee it and then we get this big uh, kind of double whammy with uh, with first that it's Grace that's involved and which yep. which Joe by the way I love the new uh, post like you know post traumatic Joe like after all of that rough stuff with her and her kind of resolution to a lot of her issues she's become very solid now yeah she's you know? like stable right. Joe now yeah. <laughs> reliable hey, hey, stable. Hey. Except for the one one mistake, which is we need to talk about something privately. Let's go to Vince's. Though that was, yeah, that was funny. Uh, again, <laughs> spies. I mean, 
with espresso but then <laughs> totally planned you know i mean when i heard it i was like oh really they're yeah. just i guess i'm not supposed to pay attention to that and then of course you find out that it was her plan all along and that yeah. she had she yeah. the star trek six on him yeah it's awesome isn't it star trek. yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. right right <laughs> totally you must fire <laughs> it's logical that was awesome i love that movie and and the, sabotage oh god <laughs> sex in the city meets star trek who to thunk yeah with some really weird shaved eye, uh sideburns i always thought that was weird well they're not sideburns but like oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like, even yeah, weirder are, man. Yeah. yeah they are they totally but like the are. side of her afterwards. Head. yeah it's kind of yeah kind of freaky yeah i thought it was great that that you know i had always thought when when the the universe shift occurred it's like really who was the other henry right yeah and, and then he turns out yeah. to be the the you know captain of the douchebags maybe Maybe. You know, I liked I was thinking about that and it occurs to me that because that was my first thought is like, oh, crap. What if you moved in? You know, what if you kind of merged through this time travel thing and you end up taking over somebody that had done things that weren't you at all? And that's interesting. But what really strikes me is that, well, I can't help but think that Henry is a decent guy. He can be um, kind of directed a bit based on events. Well, he can be very selfish. True, but deep down, he's reasonably moral. So I yes. tend to suspect that what she said up front, which is that early on they bought into the, you know, the the overall overall goal of that group to monitor and prevent uh, GD from doing things that were bad for society. You know, and I could see Henry in a certain reality buying into that. And just like Grace said with her that, you know, once they crossed a certain line that he would separate from it. But uh, it was still, it was funny. I don't know about you guys, but did you kind of get an inkling about a quarter of way through the discussion outside the cell that that's what was going to happen? Yeah. You know? That, that what was going to happen? That, it, that the person she was protecting was him. Oh, yeah. No, I totally did. Yeah, I knew Which it. Which I think is cool. Because when he's you know? like, you know, who would you, why would you do this? And I just thought, oh, my God. And then you're like, click, 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 click. You know, everything yeah. falls into place. And yeah. you're like, holy crap. And I thought about that image of the hologram that they couldn't really clean <laughs> up. And it looked male and, you know, and it sounded like a man's voice. And, you know, I just thought, oh, crap. Isn't that back kind of like uh, when his, his uh, gosh, what's her name? Kim? Like... Uh, identifies the body as herself kind of back in season yeah season one and you know just real quick what i meant by him you know being selfish at times is is those big things like the time stuff that he wiped from jack's memory and right you know the, the fact that he would be willing to play with timelines and everything for his own gain i mean i sympathize absolutely but he can it all out yeah but he can act in in that way but I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's quite the uh, the the mirror mirror original uh, Star Trek series <laughs> where it's like you know oh no I'm I'm replacing my evil version of myself. It's not that. It's just Henry that has had something happen to him where he's <laughs> Henry with like a little scratch on his face. Is One the only morning way we he can woke tell. <laughs> up and he shaved off the goatee, you know, and that was it. I like that we see him wearing his hat again. 
I noticed when he walked in to talk to her that he was wearing essentially what he wore in the first episode. And I think that that's very yeah. deliberate. You know, the hat and all that. Yeah, and the Back well, the, the dugarees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the like Juan was saying, another kind With of callback, yeah. loop around. But I really think that there's a lot more that we don't know about why Grace is doing what she's doing. And I don't know necessarily that it's a good thing, but I suspect, I I think that we know Grace well enough that she is also a fundamentally moral person and a, you know, a decent person. And I think that she may be involved in something that had good motives and maybe went awry or something. Um, did either of you guys wonder if they really have been in a- another kind of matrix this entire time? Uh, I thought about that, although I don't know. It would be hard to believe that that you know people like Carter are not real at this point. Well, what I was thinking, um, I guess what what I I thought maybe is a possibility is that. Maybe they're in some kind of matrix, but they're they're playing themselves like they're all in the matrix together. And the people that you see are real and everything that's happening is real. All their relationship development and all that stuff is really happening. It's just happening in an artificial construct. See, That's interesting because one of the things I, I had the same thought, I was like, I wonder if they actually are, because it's certainly as as Juan pointed out earlier, certainly uh, that wouldn't be the first time for you. You could have pulled something like that, you know? <laughs> Uh, it could happen in Eureka, but it feels but, a little too Greendale uh, mental hospital <laughs> style. Well, you know, it, it also occurred to me that guy you mentioned, Chuck, the author, Tony Daniel, who's a, a friend. I, I took a couple of creative writing classes from him in grad school. And one of the things that he was telling us about are like rules for writers, you know, what what people who write uh, fiction, you know, kind of certain certain things to avoid, especially. And one of them is. You don't get the reader or the audience all invested and tied up and and into a story and then yank it away at the very end and be like, oh, none of it ever happened. It was a dream. But this wouldn't be that if they were all in a matrix where all their relationship stuff was authentic, just because maybe that's what makes your argument really cool. Thank you. No, I, agree. I think that's what the makes last it possible. They, that they film, they wake up and then they're all confined to wheelchairs because all the muscles of atrophy. No. <laughs> they're all moving around in motorized carts. <laughs> it's Wally. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. Eva. <laughs> wow, you know it's an interesting idea though that you wonder what what gets. I mean, we know, for example, that that that. At some point in the season, they knew that the uh, cancellation had happened and they had the opportunity to not replace, but bend those episodes a little bit. Right. With with editing and, yeah. and right. Editing and, and reshoots of a couple scenes here and there. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot you could do mm-hmm. without actually ditching the stories and episodes as a whole. And you got to assume they did some of that. And and then we know that the last episode was entirely shot afterward for the point of wrapping it up. So, right, right. you know, I can't help but think it would be, you know, it would be really damn awesome just from a standpoint of thinking about dealing, wrestling with this as a writer, as a director, as a, you know, as a creator of the show, as a producer, 
you got to admit it would be pretty cool if they were like, yeah, you know, we had this, you know, little one-off line by Holly, you know. And what if, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, About them yeah. still being in the... Yeah, and they're like, you know, we could just edit that a little differently. Yeah, and- yeah. Well, see, <laughs> my, my thought was when she said it was not, oh, crap, she's losing her mind. It was, oh, my God, her link, her, her cybernetic part or whatever that's still kind of yeah. computerized is giving her an insight, an ability to see something that no one else can see. Only right, that's, that's what I took away from it as really? well. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also wonder if what's what's really interesting about your theory, Audra, is that while this would keep, you know, assuming that they were in an alternate reality like she imagined, but that unlike the other one, there weren't duplicates of them outside doing something or the world wasn't going on without them, that the important world was happening in, in yeah, the Matrix. Yeah, they're, they're all real. They're just if, in a construct. If that while that would hang on to the character development that we couldn't throw away, like you described it would give us the ability, it would give them the ability to undo one or more major things and maybe take a step across the line they could never step across. Oh my God, that would See, be this, awesome. This is the problem that you run into when you start adding uh, multiple realities into storytelling. Like there <laughs> so there are people that have watched the Three Matrix movies and then one of the theories is that the outside world, the Zion world, is another layer of Matrix. Sure. So that way... You know, the people that want to reject the fake reality reject it and go out to Zion, but they're still part of the, the, the bigger machine. Oh, yeah. So that way, that's like the final solution of let's give the humans the choice, but then, you know, the, the choice that they make doesn't do them any benefit, right? You know, what's really interesting is that for over a thousand years at least, people, well, longer than that but you know for the last thousand years that's been one of the things that uh religious writers have focused on the most and if you go back to guys like saint augustine who i'm not a, a really a fan of but um but guys like augustine who talked about free will and do we have free will and all this stuff it was a huge struggle like if we have free will then what are its parameters is it limited free will do we only get to choose like major things you know or do we get to choose everything or nothing yeah. Small yeah. questions to end this episode. Yeah. <laughs> See that that that's the problem that that I have with that whole thing is that you know I I you know I could I am not sure I could ever willingly go into a rea- like one of these matrixes or the uh you know like the the ancient VI on in Stargate Atlantis where they're all you know in suspension right. living on the ship and or any or the you know the Barkley hologram <laughs> within a hologram within a hologram kind of thing. Right. I could never Afterwards, I could never really feel secure. It's the that, inception problem. Yes, wow. exactly. It's well like, put. are you really back to reality? And then questioning, you know, Ain't what is no reality to begin with? Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> you twonked. <laughs> could you ever grab, could you ever let go of that afterward? I don't know if I could. I'm with you. Right. It's, uh, wow. There's just too much doubt uh, as to what is reality, especially when something is that seamless. I mean, it wasn't really that seamless in, in this eureka matrix because of all the render errors and everything like that <laughs> but it, again it's bringing up these questions is, is holly right here and if i ever see wow. a clipping bird i'm pissed though 
Yeah, really. <laughs> well, there, there are those moments where, where you're just so used to looking at stuff on computers that you're like driving down the road and you're like, is that low? That happens to me too. And there are I moments where my you, glasses on. And there are moments where you have so many cats in your house that it does look like a, a deja vu, you know, because <laughs> 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 they keep running by the door. Like I have deja vu every day, but, but it's just Felix and Max. Yeah. But I was thinking, you know, what Holly said is that uh, they're watching, you know, and for me, what's oh. really awesome about that is that everything that they're doing could be real. Like, I mean, like we've been saying, you know, it doesn't mean that there's another version of them strapped to a bed somewhere. It could really be them, but it doesn't mean that they aren't being watched somehow. The end of the series, they all wake up and it's like everybody that's ever been on the series is all in a big room and stark. They all stand up. I don't want that to happen. That would be, see, that would be the ripping the rug out. I think that would be the kind of psych, you know, Yeah, but you thought this town existed? <laughs> really, you're in Newark. <laughs> Did you watch how fast Allison's child grew? That's not possible. <laughs> well, on those small questions that Audra posed, we got to wrap up this week. Audra, you got anything to add here at the end? Uh, no, no, just uh, really loving. Gosh, just loving this end arc. It's yeah. exciting and you know, I, I, I have a whole bunch more kind of gears turning about what Grace is up to and all that. And I can't, can't wait to find out. Juan? Uh, just looking forward to the remainder of the episodes. Next week is Mirror, Mirror, episode 11. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. Nice. And you. then, yeah, then we've got uh, two more weeks after that. And we'll have 12 and then on the July 9th and then th- episodes 13 and 14 on the 16th. Oh, Looks wow. like they're wrapping it up with a two-parter. I hope we get uh, wow. two Beverly's fighting each other. Two Beverly's. We'll see you next week, everybody. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.